0: podcast for canadian spurs fans by canadian spurs fans hi this is ledley king and i just want to say hi to all the spurs fans in canada welcome to the true north podcast uh, episode i'm getting lost now i think we're on five uh things are flying by really quickly and now we've got things to talk about games have happened which is fantastic so let's dive straight it straight in um My guest today, uh, Sean uh, Willissey from uh, Toronto Sports, Toronto Spurs, my God, I haven't even finished my first cup of tea yet, so I'm I'm all over the place. Sean, welcome.
1: Greetings, Bill. How are you doing? How are things in Vancouver?
0: Uh, Fantastic. Uh, I think, uh, I say, it's too early in the morning here for me. I've uh, got more caffeine in me. Hopefully, I'll uh, stop the stuttering as I get into the first five minutes of this. So... um, Exciting times! We've got lots of stuff to talk about. So actually, been two games that have happened since the uh, the last full podcast that I did, and the little uh, teaser that I did before that on episode four. Uh, so lots going on. Uh, but before we get into that, we have to do obviously the formal structure and uh, just to find out a little bit more about uh, Sean and, um, and what he's doing with Toronto Spurs. So, so the, the classic question that I think every podcast always asked is. Uh, so, what made you a Spurs fan?
1: Uh, that one's pretty easy to sum up. Uh, two words. Uh, Paul Gascoigne. I uh, uh, used to be in the 90s here in Toronto, but the only thing you could really get was um, the Scottish League. And uh-huh. I was always a Rangers fan. So, being a Rangers fan, I followed, you know, watched Gaza. And, uh, probably about, you know, eight to ten years ago, I started watching the NFL a lot less and less. And now I don't think it's been probably five or six years since I watched a game and uh i was looking up guys and he was a spurs so this was the only place to go
0: yeah it's, I, I was lucky enough to see him quite a few times not as not as many as like probably the generation before that but uh yeah what a player i mean yeah it's 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 no doubt i mean he's his whole career has been a highlight reel and uh obviously you know he's, he's had some struggles recently so we, yeah. we wish him lots of good 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 health and uh so, so what that brings into is that. Um, tell us about what's happening with obviously since uh, Spurs Canada uh, folded and the um, the chapters became official supporters clubs in their own. Can you tell us what's been happening at Toronto Spurs?
1: Uh, we've, we've we've had a pretty good year. We've been working with our Regent Park Soccer League, so we've kind of been sponsoring them, um, doing raffles, doing draws for various things to get them get them some well deserved cash. Uh, they run up. Uh, leagues in in and around Regent's Park uh, for for kids who can't afford to do it otherwise. So it's really a great thing that we've gotten involved in. Um, we have I think probably around two hundred or so members this year. It's been great. Like obviously the Champions League really helped brought in a lot of new people and most of them have stayed. We're at uh, the Scotland Yard down on the Esplanade. Uh, unfortunately, right now we're not. Um, <laughs> the, the, with the COVID situation, the bars here. I think today was the day the malls and that were finally open, and we're just kind of waiting to hear and talk with them at the yard about what we can do, and maybe we can start getting uh, maybe some limited numbers into some of the matches, starting with uh, with the next match in a, in a few days.
0: Fantastic. Could you expand a bit more on, on the charity stuff? Because I know there was a great article uh, written uh, in the Tottenham Hotspur website about the, the charity work that uh, Toronto Spurs have been doing. You mentioned it in brief. I know, same thing, Vancouver Spurs seems to have had the same idea in supporting, uh, you know, kids in sport who can't afford to do so with Kids Sport BC. But can you expand a bit more on what you've been doing there? Because it seems that there's been a huge uh, incentive for the membership to uh, to embrace that charity.
1: Well, it was it was Matt who started it up. He knows uh, a couple of people that work with them, and you know, like I said, we've been doing 50-50 draws and raffles. And uh, the club was very kind to send us an autograph kit, which we used as a raffle to get them money to help them pay for equipment, uh, you know, time to go for on various fields and anything else, and uh, balls, uniforms, whatever they needed for. We're just trying to help them out you know, to help these kids because we want, we would, you know, we'd like to see them playing football as well. And, you know, who, who knows maybe be able to convert a few of them into Spurs fans as
0: well. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. And I think it's one of the things that uh, has been a common thread uh, with even those who are thinking about setting up clubs is that that whole idea of, of, of giving back to the community in one way or another. And uh, I know uh, locally here in Vancouver for the, um, for the first game back, there was a, um, a food drive for the greater Vancouver food bank, which filled the boxes that were put in the, in the pub. And we could talk about the viewing parties a little bit later on, but um, there's, you know, there's a, uh, there's lots of opportunity there just to, by just to do your bit uh, slowly, but surely. And it really makes an impact.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really easy. And it's, it gives the members a good feeling. There's something else going on. It's not just meeting up for the matches. It's doing something like you say, to give back to the community, and to help out with the people who are not as fortunate as as you know as many of our members
0: yeah i agree uh, you know 100 on that one it's it's one of those things where as much as you can give back uh, the better and uh, my my um my biggest thing uh with uh with helping people trying to set up groups is to really highlight you know, that that it's not just about meeting up for the games. It's about really giving back to the community as well at the same time. So, so bravo to everybody in, in Toronto for for really stepping up. And it seems to be, you know, leading the way uh, in regards to uh, um, doing a lot of that charitable donations. And a, and a great group to have. And, and typically on a, on a big game, how many would you have turn up at Scotland Yard?
1: Uh, for some of the bigger matches, you know, like Man U, Liverpool, stuff like that. We're getting upwards of around 150 to 200 for a match. You know, depends a lot on, you know, probably the same ideas in Vancouver, right? What team it is and what time of the day it is. You know, you get, you know, not to pick on them just because they're on the TV here. You get Sheffield United on a Sunday morning at 7.30. There's not a lot of people that want to come out. But, you know, you get a nice game at 11 o'clock or so on a Sunday. And people come to the Scotland Yard because they've got a really great brunch. You know, you get that game, you know, man, you on a Sunday at 11 o'clock. And you're getting 150, 200 without a problem.
0: Yeah, and I think that's great that the support of the pubs as well. I mean, uh, there's um, considering you know you guys at centre of the universe, and you get the joy of eleven o'clock games. Ooh, you know where we, eat there. <laughs> Vancouver, you know seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and actually the only it's a blessing in disguise in some cases that the uh, the schedule for the run in has not been as kind. They've put us on Monday games and Tuesday and Thursdays, and I think the teams we're playing in the run in has not been as attractive. Obviously, we've got the North London derby coming up, but and funny enough that's at, at Sunday at 8:30 in the morning pacific so what would that be 11:30 uh, in the morning eastern yeah. so prime time for us to fill the fill the pubs but apart from that uh, you know the 4 and 4:30 games in the morning at the east coast and i'm hoping to hear from people from the, the you know the, the far east uh, as it were yeah, halifax and, and the rock and whatever where, where they're going to be watching those games in the uh, you know in the early afternoon and yeah, uh, yeah, we'd love we'd love to be in that situation. Not, uh, you know, it's, uh, I spent some lots of time out there, so uh, I want to go and see a see a game there. So come on, you guys out in the in the east, uh, let's get let's get some clubs going. So, fun I mean, uh, t- in
1: Halifax and St John's for sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's there's some people out there. I think in some of the groups we've been talking to, it's it's like anything. All it takes is one person. So if you're listening to the pod, be that one person. Step up and just grab a group of people and say, here's an idea. Let's get it going. That's all it takes. Uh, like J D. in Victoria, it was exactly the same thing. He just said, hey. And immediately he's got five people around him. So it very rarely becomes just yourself. Um, well, and even, it's the same thing.
1: Like even in Toronto, we had, you know, 40, 50, 80, you know, sort of hardcore people. But once the Champions League came and people started coming, in like, oh, there's a supporters club here? I didn't know. And then all of a sudden you've got 20, 30, 40 more people. And that's what's gonna happen in these towns. You know, you know, Victoria, you know, we were talking about the East Coast. It just needs to be three or four more people. And they may know one or two and the word gets out and suddenly you've got thirty or forty people.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot more Spurs fans out there than than, than people think and uh, rather than in the, in the central cause and, the you know, the smaller towns and cities right across Canada, there's, there's, the, it's viable to have a supporters club pretty much everywhere. I think if you go, I, I've, I've all my Spurs shirts out or my Vancouver Spurs shirts out many where I get stopped all the time. And, uh, and people, I agree with you, people just unaware that uh, the clubs are out there. So the more we can do and hope this podcast is helping, helping that. So, I, I was going to ask you, we talked about how you became a Spurs fan. So what's your kind of, um, favorite memory moment? Um, cause I think your first game wasn't, it was at the Toronto game. If I'm, if I'm right.
1: Yeah, that was the first game that I ever, that I ever went to. And that, that was when I discovered that there were other Spurs fans, you know, I've been <laughs> watching off and on and, uh, you know, whenever I could catch a game and uh, my wife bought me tickets for my birthday because the game was I think about a week after my birthday and we were sitting there and I looked over and, on the other side, in the corner, there was Spurs. cannon I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. There are other people. And but for me, my probably my most memorable moment. You know, I know a lot of people would go. You know, the run to the Champions League and stuff like that. But uh, for me, I go back and I watch that Delhi goal against Crystal Palace.
0: Oh yeah. When
1: I watch, like I can still watch that goal, and what's has been three, four years now, and look at it and go. How the hell did he even think of that, let alone pull it off?
0: Yeah, uh, ag- I again, watch it. I agree. It's it's that mental process to delivery. It's uh, I am gonna. It's like the whole idea of you. The, the mere mortals as well goes, I am gonna do a bicycle kick at this, or you know, or a spin and turn, and you just look, <laughs> you just look like like an octopus out of water, right? Trying to do it. it it's never gonna happen, and it's you know, it's those special special goals and a special i think didn't that win goal of the year i did didn't it i think yeah, in it the, yeah yeah well yeah that's yeah that's a great memory to have so you know as we were talking about um uh, you mentioned again with uh toronto slowly opening up or at least the, the downtown core i know the the outer side areas of toronto had already opened up into phase two and and um the the, the downtown core is now obviously opening up hopefully today um Vancouver was lucky they had actually uh, moved it into phase two a little earlier. And the first two games back um, in Vancouver, they're able to host um, at a kind of, I wouldn't say secret location, but not overly publicized because they, you can't have any walk-ups. So it's been advertised through uh, mem- the membership programs in Vancouver and uh, via some closed social media groups. So the um, Man United game was, uh, was full to capacity and the West Ham game yesterday, less so, but um, obviously a Tuesday lunchtime is a bit difficult for people to get off, but still pretty well attended. And uh, we just released the links for the uh, next three games, including the Arsenal game. And the Arsenal game is almost already at capacity uh, with the potential of the group, because luckily we in Vancouver, they have a... It's part of a group of pubs called the Donnelly Group and they have access to other pubs um, that the other supporters clubs are in. And none of them are playing that game of the Arsenal game. So we'll probably get a second pub as well for that. So that's fantastic. And uh, it's, it's great to see that we're all back in. And I think more than anything, as, as you allude to, uh, Sean, is it's the community. I think it was more the fact of even though nobody could, you could all air high five and air hug, I think people were just delighted to be back out and, um, and seeing each other. Uh, and being able to recognize each other and being able to say hey you know this is this is hopefully coming towards an end and uh, even though there's a new normal but we get to a stage now where uh, at least for people's mental health uh, even if the results don't go your way at least it might make you feel a <laughs> bit better to be part of the community so i look forward for that to trot for tottenham uh, and for uh, everywhere across the country so let's dive into the games so um, it seems so long ago now that we got two back-to-back. But uh, the uh, the 1-1 draw with Manchester United, uh, your feelings and thoughts?
1: Um, going into it, I wondered how we were going to set up. And once you saw the setup, you know, I think I was like most people and kind of looking at it going, what the hell? <laughs> you know, we were obviously set up very defensively. <laughs> but I guess once you start looking at it, when you have no deli, and it seemed that there were still some fitness issues with Lasalso and Dombalay, and It was pretty much really the only way he could set up was to set up more of a defensive way, take some pressure, and try and go on the counterattack. And, you know, basically, when you look back at it, for most of the game, defensively, we played really well. You know, when you were looking and seeing that we were going to start Dyer and Sanchez, you were like, oh, God, we're going to get blitzed. And they played well, you know, other than. A bit of a brain fart there against uh, Pogba. I can't really fault Dyer very much. He played really well. Sanchez, he's not that great on the ball. We need to, he needs to get working on that. But we held our shape well, and you know we got a draw, which realistically, looking at the way both teams played, was probably a pretty fair result.
0: Yeah, I think if you looked at the form go- form book going into the game uh, and where we are in the league, if you look at the you know pre-COVID break. Yeah, I think United were on, like, you know, championship form. They were flying, and we weren't. You know, uh, there was, you know, draws. Uh, I think the last win was, you know, back in February, uh, middle of February for us in the league. So you can see why uh, the team was set up not to lose. And I, I appreciate that if you look at the bigger picture. Even though um, at home it was interesting, I would I would have thought the atmosphere would have been interesting if there was a crowd there. Uh, would would – what are your thoughts on, would have Marina been able to play that sort of style if there was 60,000 fans, you know, sitting 10 feet from him? What do you think?
1: Well, it's Jose. I think he would have done it anyways. <laughs> um, you know, because when, you, when you're looking at what we had, it's pretty much what he had to do. There wasn't, I don't know if we could have played an attacking style. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that Lo wasn't fit, and that's why he only played what he did. Um but Berkvine, once again, was just, he was—he looks like he was a steal. You know, he's so yeah. crazy, and he gets down there, and he he gets by people before they even know what's going on. And you look at him, and you don't think he's going to be that fast, and he is. You know, really, really enjoying watching him play.
0: Well, I think as well that um, even Mourinho said in, in one of his press conferences that it wasn't a choice of player that um, that he wanted or he would picked or selected or ideally would have had. But he's been delighted with him since he's arrived. It's that kind of, uh, you know, little diamond in the rough. Or all of a sudden you go, hey, I didn't I didn't see this in this player. Or, you know, maybe you realize as well that, you know, he's at a big club and he, he needs to perform. To get in the team on a regular basis. Uh, I agree with you. He's definitely doing that. But the interesting point on the whole squad selection, and that rolls into uh, the game yesterday as well, was Dyer over Alderweireld. So what's your thoughts there? Because I think everybody else, I agree with you, when WTF, when the squad came out, you know, we obviously, Aurier, who's been playing pretty well going forward, he needs to work on his final ball. But He's been pretty solid. Normally, he's a yellow card in him somewhere, but obviously, with Tanganga out with the injury, you would have thought naturally that would have been Tanganga over Aurier for the Man United game and for the West Ham game. So he was like, had to be there. But the dire thing has been if I was speaking to anybody else in the Spurs universe, everybody went dire over Toby? Really? Uh, so, what do you think about that?
1: Well, as, as a card carrying member of the Toby, Toby uh, fan club, I was. Kind of looking at it going what because the club if you remember probably about a week maybe before we that game there was a video put out with him and talking about how the whole team was in beast mode for training and that they yeah. were all ready for it and they're all you know like we're coming and then all of a sudden he doesn't play and then doesn't play again and you're kind of going what what what's going on uh, but and- you know to to his credit other than that one. Moderate brain fart. Dyers played well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think you know Pogba bought that. I think it was one of those things where oh, yeah. he pushed back first and he got a reaction we should have done. <clears throat> I looked at the game as well, and you, could, Winks, could have done a better job covering as well and limiting his opportunities and closing him down. It's 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 one of the things I think at, before the game, if you'd have said uh we get a point out of it you know ideally you want like six points out of the first two games but ideally I think May United and West Ham would you be happy with four I think most Spurs fans would be uh happy with the four but the one thing I think that's been that's that kind of rattled me more than anything else is that you've got five substitute options and we only used two in the many United game and we were we were leggy I mean obviously you know uh, Kane was his first game back Um so do you think that maybe Marino could have used his subs a bit better in that first game and give us a chance to, you know, make those substitutions at the right time and avoid giving away a penalty (laughs) that we did. Considering the substitutions that May United made. I mean, they brought on like a powerhouse of players um to finish the game off.
1: Well yeah, because you are starting to look at it going, why not bring Toby in, put him in at the center back and put Dyer in as your defensive midfielder? Um, if you're, if you're worried about him not having the legs anymore, uh, dire that is, to be at the back defending against someone like Pogba, why not make that change? And again, you know, we're wondering what's, what's going on with Ndombele? Why, why can he not play? What's, what's going on there? And you know already, you know, I think last night the, the game was barely over and there were already, you know, rumors coming out of France that uh, him and Mourinho have had a fight and that he refuses to play for Mourinho. Um I just you don't know what's going on there. We we had some players. There should have been some subs. You know, there's no guarantee that the penalty doesn't still happen. True. I would have felt better with with another like you say a fresh pair of legs back there.
0: Well, I mean, and I know that uh, a lot of people were slamming Kane. I was listening to another um few podcasts recently after the uh, the first game and uh, a lot of people were saying he didn't get any touches or something other but Kane's the delivery to Kane. I mean, Maguire had him in his back pocket because all the balls were at, you know, above his head and he barely got touches because he wasn't being given the service. And, and literally all the balls out to him, as far as I was seeing, because i rewatched the game um, a couple of days ago, almost every ball to Kane wasn't to his feet, wasn't to him to be able to hold off, hold the place, let the rest of the team uh, catch up with him. They were all high punts out up to his head Maguire's going to win 80, 90% of those off any player in the league, let alone Kane. And then uh, it it wasn't used effectively. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, uh, I mean, it's good he got his 90 minutes under the belt, but uh, I would have quite happily seen after 70, 80 minutes, Kane come off. He's done his 80 minutes. He's got his fitness and then change the shape and at least have a threat in the last, you know, 10 minutes or so in that game. It was, uh, And again, the substitutes things really gnaws at me uh, in that respect.
1: Well, if you kind of look, if you if you were to list the top, let's say top four, top five players on our squad, capable of setting something up, of creating chances for Kane, you wouldn't put Lamella any better than maybe the third one or the fourth one. You know, I yeah. would put you know you put lacelso you'd put Indominable and Deli, all three of them, you'd put them above them. So when you're down to your fourth or fifth option as far as offensive player to set people up. What are you expecting from Kane? You got to get in no, dangerous areas, and we didn't do it.
0: Yeah, and I think as well that it was interesting that Son had probably his quietest game for us that I've seen in such a long time. And um, and being out there on the wing, I, I think at last minute, even if you just move things around and just threw Son up the middle, and just yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. launched a few balls and let him have a run. Uh, you know, I think it's you know we're all you know couch coaches. <laughs> in that respect, uh, but you know, he, he walked he walked away with a point, you know, against a team that was in you know bang on form, and um and we weren't. And uh, you know, if we could have stopped the game at the eighty first minute and taken the one nil win, I think every Spurs fan in the world would go yeah. But you know, on the whole, I agree with you. I think you know they had lots of chances. I mean, De Gea made a great save um, from Son. I mean, and then Lloris had that worldie against Rashford that was absolutely oh, even better than De Gea's. So I think honors even, you know, it would be a uh, Wilder Fury rematch after a draw after teams slugging it out with each other, to use the, uh, the boxing metaphor. But, uh, but then on to yesterday. So um, uh, a generous, if hard fought, 2-0 win over the Hammers. So uh, what are your thoughts on that game? I thought
1: we played pretty well. Uh, as the game wore on, we seemed to get into the game because I think obviously what happens with, with, with whether it's a restart or a new season, defenses tend to be a little ahead of the offenses because offense is about timing and interaction. And, and that's something that takes some time to get back together that you really can't do on a training pitch. Defense is about heart, desire, position. Um, like I said, the, the big thing that I kind of noticed yesterday was Aurier. He's played well. But what I'm finding is he's getting a little too far forward at times. And it seems to push Lucas inside, who's then taking away room from Delhi. And we seem to get clogged up there. Yeah. We don't see they don't, the front three or four do don't seem to be working that well together. It'd be nice to kind of see them moving around a little more, you know, Alice City and Liverpool and being a little more free flowing. It was almost as if you could have had blind defenders. And still could have stopped us because you knew exactly <laughs> where everybody was going to be. And we need to have, players need to have a little more freedom. Especially when you're looking at players like Delhi and, and Son and Kane. They need to be able to move around a little bit more. Lucas, I'm, I'm still really not sold on him. Yes, he got us to the Champions League final. We're never going to forget what he did. But there's too many times where I'm looking at him going, what does he really offer us? He seems to be able to get by one guy, and rather than passing the ball and maybe getting the ball back, it's like he wants to beat all seven defenders all by himself, and he just runs into it, loses the ball, and then we're getting counter Yeah,
0: and he had a couple of good, you know, one chance that he really spooned away to the left, and he had a decent chance. Uh, that was saved. But, you know, I agree with you. I'm gonna, we'll come back to uh, Lucas Moore a bit later. But, you know, carrying on from our conversation about Dier of I think Dyer. you know, I looked at that game and the, his um, his leadership was was really key. I think that he was, you know, what I saw, you know, maybe demonstrating it more. I'm sure Toby's a strong leader, but maybe demonstrating it more vocally and physically was, was Dyer in the middle of defence. And obviously West Ham came at us really early. And that wasn't, any surprise to anybody that if they were going to try and sneak a goal and then hang on to it, that's what they did. And they had a couple of chances, you know, the first one blocked by uh, Larice, and then the rebound blocked by Dyer, actually. Um, and as we rolled through, but that was, but breaking forward, I agree with you. It's, it seems to me, and I know it was, and I know it was Delhi's first game back, but he seemed to slow the game down when we didn't need it slowing down. Like he was waiting for the, wherever he was just waiting for the rest of the team to catch up which seemed to be the case rather than just going and trusting his own skills and pace, which I don't, I don't think he's not the most pacey player anyway, but yeah, there's, I think there's, that,
1: there seems to be a lot of times where we get forward and we get to that final third and then suddenly the ball stops.
0: Yes. And, and then there's eight, then there's eight West Ham players behind the ball, which yeah. was the case today about, uh, I think if my, if you know, I could have recorded one soundbite and, and he says, and they're all set again, right? You know, it's all of a sudden yeah, the whole of West Ham Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Uh, and you know, you see that dynamic breaking forward. We get the ball, we win the ball in defence, and we're pressing, and they're all scrambling. And then it's it's at a pedestrian pace that by the time we've worked it around and played through a number of players, they've got two banks of four behind the ball. Um, they're covering all the slots. We're trying, as you say, with with Lucas Moura trying to thread the needle, as it were. Um, and then you look at the—I mean, the first goal was there the wasn't a goal again. It was another toe that was offside. Yeah, but that's the what's first a good, goal. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've Son's had two of those this season now. I think the sum total was about five centimeters offside over two goals. But uh, so what do you think about the fir- the first goal? Obviously, being a being an own goal, um, I mean, it did change the game, didn't it?
1: Well, yeah, as soon as that went in, you know, they started to press and they don't have a lot of offensively gifted talent, at least not on the pitch. And they just seem to just want to take the ball and just run it to Antonio and try and get him passed. And, you know, Sanchez and Dyer were doing well. And that's the one thing that's the one thing I think maybe the reason for Dyer today was West Ham is more of a bigger physical team. And that's where you do need someone like Dyer in there. But uh, I just I didn't. I didn't really see any time where West Ham really looked like they were threatening us that much. I know there was the one chance, I think it was from Bowen, where he hit the post. Yeah, but that that really seemed to be about it. You know, they weren't really doing anything to put us under pressure. And if they were going to get a goal, I didn't didn't really know where it was going to come from because they didn't they didn't seem to have any buildup. If they got one, it's almost like the goal we got was what what, what they were going to get if they got one.
0: Yeah, I I slightly disagree with you in regards to talent. I think they've got talent, but I don't think they have a team. You know, they've yeah. got lots of individual individual players. If you if you went through, you know, the likes of Lanzini, and you know, you go through the, the the squad and go, yeah, talented player, talented player, Antonio, talented player, but they don't. And luckily for us, they 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 didn't gel. And and it seemed to me that I, you know, obviously Delhi was disappointed when he came off, but I thought it was the right move. Where first game back, maybe a bit leggy. But, uh, but then we go on to the um, the resurgence of uh, of Harry Kane Well wasn't that a nice goal to end off the game with?
1: Oh that was that was beautiful. It's like you know you know the Harry Kane is back because um, I know when they brought Lamella on for Delhi I was kind of like oh God I, I I really like Lamella. I've always liked him I think he's heart desire, drive he's got it all but you know the the end product hasn't been there but you look at that goal he comes back gets the ball back, wins it, gets it up, gets it ahead, ball gets to Kane, goal. And, you know, we played well. And it was just really nice to see Kane get that because I think it's just something that's going to give him some more, some more drive, some more desire. Because after that first game, even he was probably going, you know, wondering what was going on. And it, as the game went on, we got to see more of the real Harry Kane and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the next one, and this is the one spot where I think Lamella does shine. Uh, when he can come in and at that end of the end of the match, you know, with twenty twenty five minutes left, he's got the speed, he's got the pace, and he's just a pest. And he may not be the guy who gets the turnover, but so many times he is the guy who creates the turnover and leads to chances.
0: Yeah, and I I, I to a degree it's. Lamella's one of those enigmatic players that if he was on anybody else's side you'd hate his guts yeah. and, and, but every team has one of those players you know that you can look at it and go oh I hate you right but if you had him yourself you'd love him and you know in certain cases you don't want to pinch and hole him because he's played pretty well but you've got to remember as well going back to the last few years he's had quite a number of injuries and, and consistency is, is key obviously he had some, both his hips he had problems with but that I, I tend to agree with you that right now, is he good from the start? I'm not sure. Is he that impact player last 30 minutes and with five subs until the end of the season? And Because uh, he's always got a yellow card in him as well. And if he's on yeah. for 70 minutes... <laughs> well,
1: he's, it, 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 <laughs> I think it would be nice, you know, if, if you got to the 60-minute mark and you looked on your bench and you had him and you had Lucas. Because these are two guys who are really good at taking the ball and just getting past people. Yeah, and you know if you can now bring bring them in, you know maybe you know Burkevain's been going at somebody for 60, 65 minutes, and the guy's starting to get tired, and you know you take you take him off, and now all of a sudden you bring on Lucas, who's just as fast, and the guy's got to be you know the defenders got to be sitting there going oh god not another one.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I think agree agree with that Most of the substitutions just for structure, unless there's injuries, are going to happen midfield and up front. So you, the last thing you want to do is shake up the, your defensive, you know, pairings unless they're really bagged, uh, or there's injury. So yeah, I agree with you. Then you throw the faster players on against, and that's that kind of rolls back to the Man United game. I'm saying even if it wasn't. The quality of player that maybe um, we had, it wasn't the uh, the shape and structure that Mourinho wanted to play. I think just getting those fresh legs on and stretching the field would have yeah. would have done a better job. And you know, but again, they're all learning as well. It's that whole process of you know the water breaks and you know how does that affect the flow of the game? as well. I've seen so many games this season. I uh, Like your opinion on it too, where almost the flow of the game's finished, the team's pressing, there's a water break. The coaches give a chat, everybody sits down, and then the, the, the whole structure of the game changes after that.
1: Well, there was the big laugh with the was it the Liverpool Everton game or it could have been Liverpool's game before that, where they were doing water breaks and people were talking like it's well, it's fifty-five degrees in Liverpool. Who the hell is yeah. water break? That, <laughs> that that's kind of the funny one. It's like is that they're doing this and there are times where they just really don't need to do it because yeah. it's not warm out.
0: Yeah, the Villa game—you could actually hear the rain pounding off the top of the stand, uh, in amongst the crowd noise, uh, fake crowd noise—and they're still taking a water break because it's nearly summer. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was similarly there. I thought it was quite funny. So, what have you thought about just in general the uh, the um, the viewing experience and also the game quality across the first few games? So now we've basically had. Uh, an entire round one done and we're rolling into round two what have you what have your thoughts been on how this whole restart thing's been working
1: it's worked okay um you know most of the teams really haven't been on other than uh cities you know team that's actually looked decent uh chelsea looked kind of decent in the second half of their match but you know it kind of reminds you you know trying to watch some of these summer games in that icc cup yeah it's, there's just not a lot there and it's going to be interesting cuz the watching the Bundesliga they got better kind of after 3 or 4 matches once the players start to get that match fitness start to figure out playing with each other again because it's pretty hard because most of these teams had i think we had we had one you know sort of quote friendly and most of the teams you know maybe had two and they were probably pretty low key affairs it's it's really hard to to expect these guys after three months off, with a, a two to three week training camp and one match, to suddenly be in, you know, mid season form.
0: Yeah, and I think there was a lot of conversation about this. You know, no home advantage because of the crowds and uh, the 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 kind of piped crowd noise is 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 grown to me. At least it's it's not generic. It's yeah. it's specific so you can hear you know the previous games you can hear blue moon and you come on you spurs and you know all the various different crowd noises and and i think that's helped but it's been interesting i think it's just to do with the quality of the league in general that um there hasn't been that disparity that there was in the bundesliga where all those away wins were coming in it seems a much more balanced if you look at the scores right now there hasn't really been anything that's really surprised me. I think the only one that delighted me was Brighton beating Woolwich Wanderers.
1: <laughs> well, wasn't it after the first two rounds or almost the first two rounds, the, the only two home teams that had won both beat Arsenal?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it's interesting, not not that we want to talk about that team too much, but uh, considering, you know, they they seem to be imploding a little bit, and I know we're playing them in a few weeks, I don't want to kind of cast a curse but you know they're 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 playing some tasty teams. I wouldn't want to go. You know uh, they're playing Southampton away next, and and then you see they're running. I mean they play, they either play top teams or they play teams at the bottom scrambling for, you know, um, survival in the league. So they're not going to get. Any, yeah, and then I'm just I'm delighted as well that the uh, the curly haired one uh has been signed a new contract because it's more fun for us so if you if you're looking for for a fun look apart from outside this podcast go watch last week and the week before's arsenal tv it is quite actually hilarious Uh, (laughs) comedy gold yeah is it ever is it ever so uh i think you know if if you would turn around and i was joking at the beginning you know nothing less than 27 points in last nine games is suitable but i think we'd all as we said before take the Four points out of seven so far with that. But now let's have a look at the um, the next couple of games uh, coming in. What are your thoughts? Um, we will just go down to uh, the one coming up next uh, Thursday, which is uh, Sheffield United away. And then following that pretty quickly after that on the Monday, again, when it be Saturday, but the TV schedules moved around to the Monday is Everton at home. So what are your thoughts on those ones coming up?
1: It's going to be kind of interesting to see with Sheffield because they didn't play well against Villa, and you know they're playing again. They're playing today against Man U. I won't give you the score, Bill. Yeah. And you know, if the, if they lose this one, then you know you got to wonder: are they just going to implode on what was a good season? Because you know they were a team with the restart where people were talking about. You know, can they catch Man U? Can they get a European spot? And right now, if they do lose today, then it's kind of a yeah, I think it's a good time to play them, even if it is on the road. Because right now, who knows what the road teams are going to be? I don't think the disadvantages are going to be there, especially in smaller in smaller places like you know Sheffield, Aston Villa, Burnley, all these teams uh, that would have really relied on their home fans. That advantage is going to be gone, and I think we've got a good shot. Everton at home. Um, they played well against Liverpool, but again, it was a Merseyside derby. They're kind of an up and down team. And realistically, there's a good shot here if we play. If we look at the second half and if that continues on, I think we got a pretty good shot at six points over these two games.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the Sheffield United thing is interesting because even Wilder, the, the manager, after the second game, obviously the, with the second game they played, they had a player sent off and uh, and they got rolled over uh, was, and the first game, obviously, un- unlucky, they didn't play well, but they had that goal that should have been a goal, the go- goal on technology disallowed, um, which should never happen.
1: Uh, uh, how, did, did, how, did, how did the linesman miss that?
0: Well, you know what, I, I, I work, you know, my industry is very technical, and, you know, there's a lot of analytics and tools and artificial intelligence in place, and I always uh, preach to people, you know, it should not take over, you should not rely on it, it should be a tool, and when they rely on it, it becomes dangerous because as I said, it was 9,000 times this thing has detected a goal and it's never, they've never had that scenario where they, the several cameras couldn't see because of the players blocking and the goalkeeper, two defenders basically surrounding the ball, even though everybody could see (laughs) even on the TV and the linesman's in perfect position that the ball and even the referee is going, but my watch didn't go off. And that's what, that's the crazy thing. The watch didn't go off. I agree with you. It's, not that I saw it go over the line and the guy's basically nestled in the back of the net with it. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, I agree. I VAR mean, they were. They, too. Say again. The
1: Var missed it, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the VAR wasn't even called in. That's oh, the, thing. the OK. No, the VAR wasn't called in because it was deemed that wire yeah. technology has been foolproof. So yeah, therefore,
1: everybody was saying that they didn't look at it because the, the other technology said it was said it wasn't a goal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's where the the good old English term of belt and braces. You should always be doubly safe. You know, try and you know keep your, or suspenders as you would call it in, in North America, right? So, but um, yeah, so that was shame there. But I, but even Wilder was was intimating that there was a downward trend. He goes, "We've got to be careful here that we're not going to fall away." But yeah. the crazy thing was, is I would have thought they potentially would have fallen away if the season had continued, considering their small squad. Uh, and the way that they've been running, they were going to fall away then. So I agree with you. Perfect time to play them. You know, Bramble Lane, when it's full of people, is going to be great. Um, They're going to be, you know, could potentially after today, they're playing Manchester United today, they could potentially be zero points from their first three games back and then playing us in the fourth game. It's, you know, they could be definitely in free fall. Uh, And I agree with you, with Everton, they're going to come and, uh, and sit and try and hit us on the break in the same way we're going to try and hit them on the break. It's going to be a counter-attacking game. Uh, but I agree with you all heartily. I think there's a huge opportunity for six points there. And then and uh, and then and then the run-in is, is not that bad. We've got Bournemouth away, who are, who are really struggling themselves. Uh, the Woolwich Wanderers, who, uh, again, are, are having their troubles. Uh, and the last three, Newcastle away, uh, Leicester City, who uh, again have had some two draws on the way back and then away at palace at the end and um you know palace you never know what's going to happen there so there's some good possibility for points so uh, what do you think about champions league uh, chances
1: uh well fourth i think is pretty much out of the out of the question because chelsea looked really good in their first game so unless they completely and utterly collapse fourth is out of the question so we just have to hope for the uh the arbitration in sports, the people in, the, in, uh, in Switzerland there decide to uh, uphold this ban for at least a year because fifth, I think, is possible. Uh, but I think, you know, we're going to have to resign ourselves, likely to the fact it's going to be Europa. Not going to make a lot of people happy, but it's it's a way back into Champions League, and it's also a way for, you know, to get some of the younger players some playing time. And, you know, hopefully, there's, I don't think there's a reason why we couldn't win it.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think when people say they get disappointed with being in Europe, uh, need to pinch themselves. I mean, my first year supporting the club, we got relegated. Um, so when you look at, and then obviously a lot of lean times where we've, you know, we would have begged for for a, You know, scraping into seventh or eighth for for a European Europa slot, and now people are going, "Whoa, you know, we deserve to be here." You only deserve to be there if you earn it, in my opinion. Exactly. And and, you know, obviously, we've had injury problems and injury woes, but other teams have gone through the same thing. And soccer's cyclical. You look at, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Liverpool. When I when I was a kid, Liverpool winning it was sickening. They were winning every frigging year, and and they and then they haven't won for thirty years. And other, pe- other teams go through cycles. So we're hoping that we have, like, a massive dynasty over 20 years coming up. But it, it's it's one of the things I look at and go, yeah, I'll take Europe. It keeps us in that flow of having a larger squad, of playing European football, of attracting better players, of well, being that's, in that... Yeah, yeah. You know, like
1: that's, yeah, like, that's it exactly, because we have so many fans screaming, spend money, spend money, spend money. Well, how are you going to spend money if you're not even in Europa? How are you going to try and get... know, like if you look back a couple of windows, how are you going to get a Dybala or, you know, any kind of talent like that if you're not playing in Europe?
0: Oh, and, you know, the crazy thing, though, is that the way things are rolling down, the the, the other team that's pressing Manchester United right now uh, hard on their towers, Wolves, who've been playing very, very well. You know, a lot of people are tipping Wolves to win the Europa this year. Yeah, so they surprise. get a champion, they're, they're they get a Champions surprise. League spot, right? So that m- might even have an impact. It might even, it might even have, you know, obviously if Man City are removed, that yeah, there, there might be a, another spot available for. I don't know how that works. I haven't, I haven't worked it out. But there's um, that there, or or that even if you finish fifth, it might not work because a uh, Premier League team's won the Europa, and then we therefore you don't get the spot either. So there's lots of different. I, I agree with you that if we get Europa League next year, uh, we should do. And if we don't, I'd be very disappointed. But I would definitely be looking at um, kind of pushing for that fifth spot as we go through the the, the last few games. So uh, as we come to kind of start to wrap this up, um, I'd like to thank uh, Sean for being a guest. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and um, how do uh, how do people out there get in contact with Toronto Spurs?
1: Ah uh, well, there is torontospurs.com, so there is that. You can also get with us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, so you can get in contact with us. And we are on Twitter and Instagram as well, so we're not we're not hard to find.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I think it's uh, considering the fan base that you've already uh, grabbed. It's uh, it's it's not surprising people have not found it. But again, walking down the street every day, if I'm wearing, you know, my Vancouver Spurs t shirt or a, or a Spurs logo something. You typically always get stopped, and nobody knows you exist. And all the expats, and uh, obviously people coming in from overseas. Um, uh, Vancouver has, uh, you know, quite a good uh, a Korean fan base who come in and watch the games in um, uh, with us at the what uh, was the railway, and will be again next year. And then, how to contact uh, the True North Pod? So, uh, if you've got any questions, requests, um, please let us know at uh, True North at T R U E N O R F pod at gmail.com. Also at True North Pod on Twitter. Uh, hoping to have a website set up uh, pretty soon. Uh, also, still shout outs again. We're still looking for a coast to coast to coast show. I think we found our guy in Tofino. I think he's as far west as we're going to go. We're trying to find somebody on the east coast and as far north as possible. So whether that be in the territories or that be um, you know, northern provinces, uh, give us a shout and get on the uh, get on the next pod. So well, hopefully we do a, a next shout-out after the uh, Sheffield United game. A guest to be announced. I've got a few shout-outs out there, um, including... Um, a couple of celebrities and a couple of uh, legends and ex-players so hopefully we can continue going forward but the whole idea of this is it's uh for canadian fans by canadian fans so we're trying to make sure that even though we have guests on uh, that the content is really canadian centric talking about what's happening in canada for spurs fans so once again thank you very much for uh, I for give, listening
1: just want to give one shout out there if i can and i saw uh, to all my all my compatriots on the cheese room to mr jolly and oz and HD in Austria, the gang here in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, we do multiple podcasts a week. We have podcasters from all over the world. So if you get a chance, you know, look us up. We're we're on Facebook. Uh, we're we're on uh jeez, dropping my thing here. We're on iTunes, Spotify. Take a look. We've had Bill on, and uh, we'd love to love to hear from more fans across Canada.
0: Yeah, the, the the cheese rooms a really good podcast. Some of the quizzes are pretty good as well. I've uh, uh, it's one of my go tos, and um, uh, yeah, definitely I should be paid some like uh, advertising money for that one, Sean. Ooh, there you
1: go. <laughs> yeah, figure something out for you.
0: But but uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's the whole idea is we're all supporting each other and, and all helping each other out to to pass the word. And uh, as we as we wrap up uh, episode five of season one, come on you Spurs! Come on you Spurs! That was a podcast by True North Productions. Well, that's it. The True North pod epilogue. <laughs> Try to spit that one out. Again, I need more tea. <laughs> well, and Liverpool champions and enough uh, said about that. And I've delayed pushing this out until a little later in the week because we've got the Sheffield United game on Thursday. Uh, Lunchtime for everybody across Canada from 10 a.m. right through to, you know, early afternoon in the East. And we'll be doing a podcast probably on the Friday or Saturday to cover that game. And uh, Sean and I were talking as well um, and adding to what we were talking about, I forgot to mention in the middle of the show, was uh, the the great Toby-Eric debate in regards to central defence and who and why and where. And one of the things that I'd made the note of was that both have four yellow cards, whether that's a thing that's an issue, obviously one away from a suspension, He's gonna play Eric until he kicks somebody in the air, and play Toby until he kicks somebody in the air, and, and then get back to normal. Or is Eric the new central defence, and we're we looking at the uh, the end of uh, time for Toby as well? Who knows? But uh, an interesting addition to the conversation there, anyway. So um, look forward to speaking to you again with Episode Six after the uh, Sheffield United game. Come on, you Spurs!